Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For the past several weeks, we've been examining the miracles connected with the crucifixion of Jesus. We've heard about the, the darkness from 12 noon until 3 o'clock on that first Good Friday. We heard about the tearing of the temple curtain and the earthquake and the splitting rocks and then the raising of many saints from death. Now, there's one more miracle of the passion. It's recorded in these words. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. This evening, I'd like to direct your attention to what happened to these Roman soldiers. You know, who were these Roman soldiers? What were they like? Well, their, their officer in charge was the centurion, right? The centurion was the officer that normally led and oversaw a company of over 100 soldiers. But for the simple task of crucifying Jesus and these two thieves, he probably used no more than 12 soldiers in his squad. Religiously, the soldiers were Roman pagans. They were steeped in the prevailing ideas about multiple gods, lowercase, who were generally considered capricious, aloof, and indifferent to the needs of mere humans. In any case, they were hard men, probably very coarse, very seasoned, very callous, probably very detached, unemotional, generally just uninvolved in what they were doing. They took their soldiering duty very seriously, and they, what they did, they did very well. Now, the soldiers were probably assigned to watch Jesus when he first appeared before Pilate. They, or at least the centurion, had some understanding of the issues happening here. They heard the charges of the Jewish leaders against Jesus and probably had some personal contact with both Jesus and Pilate along the way. They knew that Jesus had claimed to be the Son of God as well as a king. At this point, though, Jesus didn't look anything like a king. Scripture tells us that the soldiers mocked him, put a purple robe on him, put a crown of thorns on his head, and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And after they were through having their fun, they took him out to Calvary to crucify him. Now, there was a possibility that the soldiers had heard about this Jesus before his arrest. After all, word was widespread about this itinerant rabbi who spoke with authority and healed without discrimination. News about this Jesus undoubtedly reached where the soldiers were normally stationed, which was in Caesarea, which is a port town about 60 miles from Jerusalem. And during the course of this passion, 
the soldiers had witnessed several of these miracles that we've been talking about. They experienced those hours of sudden darkness. They heard the words that Jesus had spoken from the cross. I'm thinking that the words that stood out most in their minds were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm sure they had never heard words like that before. Then Jesus died. The soldiers probably were not aware of the tearing of the temple curtain or its significance, but I'm sure that they were very much aware of the earthquake and the splitting of the rocks, and they probably became aware of the opening of the graves, just as everyone else did. We are told that these soldiers were filled with awe, a word that means reverential fear, wonder, or dread. Perhaps this awe drove home to them the idea that they were on the wrong side here, that what Jesus had been charged with was true, what was posted above his cross, that he was no ordinary person, but indeed the Son of God, a term that implied deity. This wasn't the first time in Scripture that some awe-stricken pagans came to the realization that they were witnessing the activities of the living God. If you remember back in the book of Jonah, there were a bunch of rugged sailors who were confronted by terrible winds and waves and rain that were threatening to engulf their vessel and sink it. And by their own ways, they divined that the storm was happening because their passenger, Jonah, was running away from the command of the Lord to go to Nineveh. Jonah, in fact, told them that their only recourse was to throw him into the sea. First, they worked really hard to get to, to safe harbor. When that didn't work, they started praying. But interesting enough, they didn't pray to their pagan gods, but they prayed to the Lord that Jonah was talking about, and they prayed this, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And when they finally decided to cast this fugitive into the sea, the storm immediately ceased. No wind, no rain, no waves. The astonished sailors prayed again, not to their gods, but to this new god who had command power over the wind and waves and who pursued one man over a mission trip. They offered a sacrifice and made solemn vows to the Lord. Getting back to the Roman soldiers, some believe that all of what they witnessed drove home some understanding that they had done wrong, personally done wrong, that they had sinned, something they probably had not ever been concerned about before. And with this conviction of sin came the feeling of guilt. 
But Jesus had expressed the gospel shortly after he had been lifted up on that cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And after all that the soldiers had witnessed and experienced, they said, truly this is, this was the Son of God. Now, was this faith? In the simplest form, I think we can trust that it was. Because we can trust that the Holy Spirit was at work here through the words spoken by the Savior from the cross. And who knows, perhaps there are other words that they had heard that, that were brought to bear here. I mean, the soldiers may have even heard Jesus preach or teach. He was very busy. The Holy Spirit may have even taken the negative words of the Jewish leaders about Jesus and turned them around in such a way that the soldiers perceived them as positive. We do know that the Roman soldiers had a key role in the expansion of the kingdom into the heart of the Roman Empire eventually, with a hearty assist from a certain persecutor of Christians, formerly named Saul, who became an unrivaled professor of Christ, Paul of Tarsus. When he was imprisoned, which turned out to be often, Paul was often put in the charge of Roman soldiers, including those who also served as imperial guards in the palace of the emperor. The Christian contagion spread throughout the palace from the imperial guard through the household, taking root first in the servants and spreading from there to the rich and powerful as they had contact with these strange new ideas about a singular, all-powerful God who isn't capricious, but unconditionally loves, forgives, and reconciles. We must keep in mind that saving faith is not something that we do. It is rather what the Holy Spirit does through the word to convert or change the sinful, unbelieving heart of a person. Conversion is a miracle in any case. We usually think of the miracle of conversion in grand terms, like when Saul changed from a persecutor of the church into Paul, an apostle proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Still, even the words of these insignificant soldiers indicate that some change had taken place in them as well. Can we not say that the Holy Spirit changed the hardened, callous, heartless Roman soldiers to have even the smallest bit of faith placed in Jesus as Savior? Now, some or perhaps many view faith as their work but we need, as I've already stated, to remember that faith is not our work, but God's work. St. Paul wrote several things about it. He, he wrote, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's from 1 Corinthians 6. And then he wrote, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Of course, that's from Ephesians chapter 2. And again, he wrote, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's from Titus. As Lutherans, as baptized members of the family of God, we would certainly see the sacrament of holy baptism as a part of that washing of which St. Paul spoke. Perhaps the soldiers were eventually baptized. We hope so, but... They were not baptized at this time. Here, the Holy Spirit used the word as the means for bringing about a change in the heart of these Roman soldiers. Dr. Luther gave witness to the word in his explanation of the third article of the Apostles' Creed in his small catechism. He wrote this, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. We can't bring another person to faith in Jesus Christ we can't even bring ourselves to faith in Jesus Christ. We are totally unable to do that. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. For the soldiers, the Holy Spirit both convicted them of their sins and brought them to faith through the gospel, part of which was conveyed by those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Saving faith is a miracle it was the object of everything that happened on Golgotha. It was the very reason that Jesus came to earth in the first place, to bring salvation to the whole world, Jew and Gentile alike. Thanks be to God. Amen.